Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Football. Energy drinks. Beer. More football. Welcome to Bink at Night. And welcome to Big at Night, Jay Binkley, Julio Sanchez producing the operation. Royals drubbed today by the Cardinals, Julio. It's an understatement. It's been up and down, man. It's been up and down for this team, you know. Not much up. Some days are good down, not Mostly much up. down. Some stuff's up, some stuff's down. Kramer thinks it's the uh, the uniforms. It's like, well, it's not exactly like you're lighting the world on fire with the other uniforms, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't think that's it. No, I don't think it is either. Well, they're a better road uh, home team than our road team. Well, not much better. <laughs> yeah, not not much better. It was tough. I don't know if you heard Carrington on his way in the uh, Odyssey. Did you see that deal about uh, what they're going to be doing with that app? Yeah, the uh, they charge like twenty extra dollars a month for that. Yeah, I mean sports app. If you have cable or whatever, you're still fine. You know, ATT verse or Spectrum or things like that, but some people in the city don't get those services. But uh, Valley Sports will cost nineteen ninety nine a month or one hundred eighty nine a year. That's uh, getting close to what like extra innings cost you. So you get every single team in the league, but that's getting dangerous to what that cost is. And with all the other streaming uh, streaming services, I know people laughed about cable prices. But by the time you have Hulu, the time you have Amazon Prime, the time you start getting the other uh, streaming services, HBO Max, you name it, and you're basically it gets there. where you were with cable bills. Yeah, but you also then get kind of like you're the pick of the litter of, w- of what you actually want, not just a bunch of garbage that's forced down your throat. Yeah, I mean, I still have Amazon Prime, so it's still an extra fee on top of that. Yeah, yeah, I mean... It- it's just me personally, but I'm not going to spend extra $20 a month to watch a team that has no shot of making it to the playoffs and not competitive. You know, you're not alone. seems like a lot of people are in that same situation. You know, I know people that have the Royals on cable and are able to get it like mom, so it's no big deal. And then I know a lot of people that don't get the Royals whatsoever. And people with young kids that watch the Royals, and you know, they're mad because they want to watch them you know, day in and day out, and they have the valleys out, but they can't watch it. And I don't know if their mom's going to pay $189 a year for them to watch baseball. And it's sad because here's two kids, you know, play junior baseball. They can't watch the Royals play. They want to watch it. They don't care about the record. They just want to see baseball and see 
the baseball players in their hometown, but they can't see it. And it just, it's just baffling how much further back we've gone. Cause you know, there for a while, everybody's able to watch it. And now we're sitting here in 2022 and people aren't able to watch it. Now it's going to cost a lot more to get that app. And if the team's not winning, you're not really giving them justification to do it. I Those mean, things go hand in hand. Team has a winning record in first place. People are like, okay, I'll pay for it. But when the team's not winning, it's not real good marketing. So so what I'm hearing is is baseball continues to misread the room and segregate their audience by trying to nickel and dime them. Yeah, it seems like that's Especially the way it is. in a town that's not very competitive. This year ought to be released free. You'd have to be like a free year trial or something. See if you like it. See if you like the service. Yeah. Bring them in a little. Lure or, them. Or six right? months. Just do six months. Because yeah. you know there's a good chance that the Royals will do like they do all the time. And that's at the midpoint break at the All-Star Game start playing better baseball. Because they've done this for years. I remember when I did uh, Royals Insider for Vern for half a year. When he went and started doing his I show. I remember that. And they were, they were terrible. When he was doing it, they were over 500 when I was doing it. I mean, they were a much better baseball team. Second half of the season was actually fun to watch. Was that because of you? Is that what I'm hearing? Are you taking credit for that? 100%. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I mean. I buy it. I mean, Vern's had a couple good years, 14 and 15, but. Vern's got a World Series under his belt. Well, so. What's happened since? Uh, Nothing good. Nothing yeah. good. Exactly my point. No, but you got to put him on TV because if not, you're out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. And I don't care what it is, Julio. If you're out of sight, out of mind. People don't care about you. It's just like, you know, restaurants that, you know, way understaffed or something. You used to go there all the time, and now because there's hardly anybody working for them or whatever, and you don't go there anymore, and you start finding somewhere else, it's out of sight, out of mind. You don't mess with it anymore. Well, it's gone. And, and like you said, I mean, it, I think for this particular market, it, it's even more of a tough pill to swallow, so to speak, because they're not competitive. Uh, CDOT, I think he gave a stat, and I could be misremembering this, but uh, I think it was like, what, five winning seasons of over 78 wins in the last, what, since like the mid-90s or something like that? Some crazy stat. I mean, that's that's unacceptable. And why would I want to pay extra money for a team that's only <laughs> had five wins or five five seasons of 78 wins or more over the last 20, 30 years? It doesn't help either. It's we'll hard get, to swallow. We'll man. get to it later. The, the dead ball that's going on right now in baseball. Yeah. How yeah, the batting yeah. averages are down, runs per game down. Everything is like historically low for Major League Baseball right now. It's not as much fun to watch. Well, that, again, runs right there. It's the, the run to me. It's not as fun. Again, we're going back to baseball not reading the room. Since when has it ever been the case that offense is not wanted? It, it, right. It's always been the opposite. Like when you watch any sport, you want to see more offense. You don't want to see. The Royals getting blown out 10 nothing, right? We want to see them mash the ball. We want to see the home runs. That's one of the most exciting parts of baseball. To take that away, again, you're just you're segregating your audience. At least be at least if you're bad, at least hit home runs. You know? Exactly. At least have fun Something has home. to be exciting. They've got some masters. Bobby Wood Jr. hit over 30 home runs last year. MJ Melendez that's up with them now. Hit 41 last season in the minor leagues, and you'll probably see Nick Prado sooner rather than later. Another guy that hit what 36 home runs. In minor league baseball, Sal Perez hit 48 last year. So there are some guys on this team that can hit the long ball. But it's not much fun seeing all these balls (laughs) end up at the warning track because they've taken three or four feet of distance off of them. Well, And 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 at Kauffman Stadium, that's going to be harder to hit it out of. Exactly. Yep. Not the easiest 
not the easiest stadium to uh, right hop up that uh, that offense. That's that's why the Royals are built the way they are, right? De- defense first. The out of sight, out of mind thing is pretty big. I think. Oh, 100 percent. Especially nowadays, you, you know, gotta be relevant. It's like anything that comes up that's anywhere you know remotely controversial. You know how it goes. It's a big deal. The news cycle comes and it's pretty much gone. On to the next thing. Twenty-four hours or forty-eight hours. Where in previous years it sticks for like a long time, but it doesn't anymore. You know, things happen and you forget about it day in and day out. Or if you've been a certain uh, cell phone provider and their rates go up and you switch to another one, you don't ever care to go back to that company. It's like out of sight, out of mind. I'm not messing with them anymore. Yeah, well, to a certain degree, yes. I, I think Royals fans have also proven right that. If they're competitive and they're playing winning baseball, people will tune in. People will go to the games. People will pay for that app. I mean, that's that's proven. Bottom right? line, I 14, think you're 15. right. Bottom line, if this team Put was competing. Put a winning product on the field and the people will come. In first place, and I think they bounced, bounced, uh, banked on Bobby Witt Jr., who did have that nice 11-game hitting streak but does have the one home run. But yep. I think the excitement for him was so great. Like, people really wanted to watch him, and they needed to. That's why I'm saying give people the free sample. Give it to him for three months or three six months, months. Yes. You know, get him hooked into it. Yeah. You know, let him see Bobby Wood Jr. That's who everybody's talking about. That's who they wanted to see. So, you know, they may go to a few games here and there, but they want to see him every night. You know, they want to see him in Baltimore this upcoming stretch. Try to hit home runs in that band box in Baltimore. They want to see that, but if they're not able to see it, they don't care as much. They're checking the box scores, almost like we're living in 1985 again. Well, I think a, a lot of Royals fans – have already tuned out. They've, they've already checked out. Yeah. Text line uh, 816. Bank today was the first day this year. I watched the Royals game on TV. Oof. That was only because I was on lunch. So he didn't watch the full game, and I can't say I blame him. <laughs> 816. I live outside the area. Instead of buying the app for almost $200, I'll buy a $300 badass radio for my entertainment. Well, that's, that's the thing. I mean, we'll, we'll have the games for you. Yep. You know, we have them on our app, and if you're not getting them on your app, reset your app. And baseball do the is, updates or reinstall it. That's the best way to do it. And baseball is the best sport to listen to on the radio, by far. Yeah, and it used to not be this way. 816, you guys need to push Odyssey to buy the contract for us to hear the game. Most of our delivery trucks don't have radio. The Odyssey app does carry the, the app, games. Yeah. It does carry the game. If you're not getting it, because I get this a lot, if you're not getting it, hit. make sure you hit all the updates. And if it's not working, reinstall it, and you should be able to get the game. Yeah, I had to I had to do that today, although I checked out after the first inning, if, if I'm being honest. So that was a, was a tough pill to swallow. Was it 5 nothing in the, the first inning? But we, yes, yes, it was. We, yes, always, yes, it we was. will always carry the games. And I know a lot of people complain about ballets and not being able to watch the game because we see it all the time. We have a text line. We see it all the time. Yep. And we can't do anything about it. We can't do a damn thing about it. We don't control that. We control one thing, and that's the radio. And you get the games on the radio. Like, that's the only thing we can control, and we're doing our job. You don't miss it. It doesn't skip. It's on radio. Boom. Every single game. Home road, it doesn't matter. You're getting it on the radio. And I know that's not what you want. Because for years, Julio, even with this team in 13, they weren't eliminated until that Chicago series, the last series of the year. They were officially eliminated. Then, of course, playoff run in 14 and 15, and they became a part of what everybody did at night. You know, they got home yeah. and they watched the Royals. Yep. And if they weren't watching, it was background noise. Yep. 
It was the Royals were on TV. It's just kind of like brushing your teeth or eating dinner. It was a habit that you were doing each and every night that's watching the Royals. And when you can't do it, you're used to doing other things. So suddenly, instead of DVR in the game because you're out at Little League or whatever doing those games, you're going to come back and watch the Royals game at night, you have no interest to do it anymore because you can't do it. So why even bother? You catch the Royals game on the way to the games or the way to practice on the radio and then back and then you're checking your phone for the updates. But that's not any fun. No, it's not It's not the same. Like you want to see Salvador Perez home runs. You want to see Bobby Wood Jr. and what he can do. MJ Melendez just comes up here. Number two prospect in the Royal system. Hit 41 home runs in the minors. You're, you're curious about it. You want to see the next Salvador Perez that this team is going to have behind the plate. You want to see it, but you're not able to see it. And I just think for sport, looking for marketing, looking for fans, because it's embarrassing some of this attendance in baseball. Yeah. You know, for it, a reason. And it, it's justified, though. In some I, cities I like in Oakland, Tampa, it's high schoolish, man. Yeah. It's high schoolish. No, that cable down arena, you know, they old like 6,500, something like that. Yeah. It's not too far off that attendance at some major league games. Yeah, well, some of those teams, some of those teams have excuses, right? Like the Marlins, where I mean, they don't, they don't deserve a baseball team. But then you do have places like Tampa, and historically Oakland, where those teams are traditionally competitive for most years, and people still don't show up. No, I get it. That's the story of baseball, man. Yeah, but it's fun to watch, even if you're watching it for the other teams. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> even if you're that's watching true. it true. for those teams, it's the sport and you want to see it. Because right now, they're throwing Friday night games on Apple TV. And, well, if you don't have that, you're not seeing that. But there's enough games, you know, on the MLB Network, you know, or Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN, you don't care. And usually, you didn't care about watching. I've had MLB extra innings where you can watch any game you want to. But I stopped getting it because I watch the Royals every night. And essentially, if I'm not watching the Royals every night, I'll sit there and watch you know, MLB Network will have a game or something like that. There's always a game on. Like, literally, there's always a game on if you want to see it. But I get the Royals games. Yeah, but you're, And I'm able to watch them, but I know a lot of people can't. Well, and you're not, like, the majority of, of baseball audience as far as, like, it's a very regionalized sport, right? You, no, the, it's completely regionalized because I think people will care more about what the Royals are yeah. doing. And I, I think soccer's that way, too. Uh, I yeah, think people 100%. care about what sporting's doing. But if the New York Red Bulls are playing the LA Galaxy, I don't think people care. Yeah, but if sporting also holds the track record of what the Royals are, of, of being terrible for long stretches, multiple seasons in a row, I can guarantee you that sporting's attendance will fall and it will stay that way. I, it's I think, all about being competitive, man. I think the only sport people care about watching teams that aren't your markets the Football. NFL. It is. 100%. 100%. If there's a Monday night game, there's Tom Brady in the Bucs versus Aaron Rodgers in the Packers, they want to watch that. Yeah. Like, they will watch the Seahawks play, or they'll watch the Vikings play, or they'll watch whatever, because the ratings prove that out. Kansas City watches those games. Hell, they watch the draft. The draft was yeah. a bigger deal than yeah. anything Major League Baseball has done this year. Heck, they watch the Combine. It's been a bigger thing this year than what baseball. Yeah. The NFL released its international schedule today. Baseball, when they release their schedule, you get an email in the middle of the afternoon. <laughs> no one no one really cares. Well, there's 162 <laughs> games, Bink. Who Foot- cares? I know, but football is doing... Who cares? You know what's the deal on May 12th? They have a couple sponsors, and they're doing all the teams, and everybody cares about the schedule. Baseball is a little bit different. Now, they're doing something next year It's a lot better. Instead of playing each team in your division 19 times, 
you're playing every team in Major League Baseball. They're cutting down I do those like games, that idea. and you're playing every team yeah. in Major League Baseball because you have DH now in both leagues. It's more fair, more equity balance for American League teams play National League teams. You'll play everybody, and that's big. Because let's, let's be honest, if you're sitting here in the AL Central, you know, with Detroit sucking every year, and right now the Chicago White Sox suck bad too. I don't know why, but they do. Cleveland is going to end up coming right back to the pack. But you have 19 games against these boring teams. These boring teams without stars, it ruins your interest. But if you're playing the Phillies once in a while and you're playing Bryce Harper and you're getting to see some other stars of the game, you're playing the Nationals, you're Juan Soto, or you're playing these other teams, you're interested in some of those players, your interest goes up. But when you're yeah. beating down the same teams or getting beaten down by the same teams all the time, it gets boring watching Minnesota. It gets boring watching Detroit. It gets boring watching Cleveland. So baseball has uh, a lot to work on. Egg one six. Miami had 29000 in paid attendance last night. That's uh, an outlier. Paid attendance on Saturday night, excuse me, not last night. Well, that's good for Miami because usually they're hovering it's around 10000 Yeah. So that's good for Miami. Even when the Rays were on their roll, they were still putting like 14000 in was, the stands. That was embarrassing. And you can count some of the fans this year at the stadium. But regardless, that's where the Royals sit right now. Out of sight, out of mind. they got to figure out a way to get them. Brett Beach. Spoke yesterday and then the day on Fesco in the morning. Said some interesting things. Tell you what those are next. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Bank at Night. Jay Binkley, Julio Sanchez. Yeah, you're right. Miami did have 29,000 Saturday night. However, Kansas City sits with in 25th place out of 30 teams in Major League Baseball. Average attendance of 16,697. Miami, 27th. Miami averages 13,588. A lot bigger city than us, too. Like I said, that's an outlier. Dwarfs three teams, Tampa Bay, 13,290. Again, bigger market than Kansas City. Pittsburgh, 12,256 per. Oakland, bigger market, 7,955. I mean, they're going completely major league. No talent whatsoever. But when I look at these numbers and you're wondering why is attendance down, I think, honestly, not being able to watch the games hurts it. Oh, 100%. If you're watching these guys day in and day, you go, I got to go out and watch the ballpark. Your kids are saying... Let's go watch him. I need to go watch Bobby Wood Jr. play. I need to go watch Whit Merrifield play. I need to go watch, you know, Sal Perez. I need to go watch these guys play. But if they're not able to watch them on TV, there's that that gnawing. You know how kids can get. They pound their their, their you know hands on the cha- on the table and they want to go to the game, but they're not wanting to do that if they're not watching them at all. Yeah, they're think- watching the Yankees on ESPN every night. Uh, and I, I think also with the, the whole lockout situation during the off season, I mean, I, I don't. It had a little bit of an effect, right? Just the bickering and the back and forth. I think that did turn some of the general baseball fans off as well. I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. But I, I would do something if I'm baseball to make it they accessible for man. everybody to watch it. Yeah. Better Put do your something. product out there. 
I mean, I love what ESPN's doing with the NHL for the playoffs. Yeah, agreed. Great graphics. Every game's on. You get double headers on ESPN and ESPN2. It's been incredible. And then the NBA playoffs are all on. You know, with TNT, yeah. I'm loving some NBA playoffs. Yeah, right me too. I mean, I they're say. always on. It gives you something to watch. And then baseball, you're sitting there searching for it to happen. Where, you know, what was the score? You're looking at box scores again, like it's 1985. You're reading box scores because you're not able to watch the game. Remember when they didn't show all the games? They yep. said television packages for like 60 games or 70. You missed a hell of a lot of games. Yeah. But anyway, out of sight, out of mind. Brett Veach was on with the Fesco in the morning this morning, and I thought this was really interesting. This was his thought process involved with him moving up. Remember what Brett Veach said on the uh, on Friday during his press conference as far as he'll trade up or not? Because he talked about it. You know, if a guy's there at 19, 20, or 21, he would trade up for said player. And oftentimes, you know, you sit there and you look at it and say, well, is this a smoke screen or not? Is the GM g- giving a smoke screen? Veach tells you a lot of times what exactly he's going to do, just like last year, second, third round or hot zones. This is what he said pre-draft press conference. I don't know if it was last year or the year before. It was like every guy we had in the first round went like that. And, you know, if it happens like that, then it's hard to envision, you know, a a trade-up. But typically what happens, the board do deviate and they are different. Um, And then when you find value of, you know, we talk about 16, 18 guys being valued in the first round, then all of a sudden, you know, you get to picks 19, 20, 21, there's still some of those guys on the board. I think you make a decision and see if you can maybe find a trade partner. Um, If those 16 guys are off the board by the time you get to 19, 20, 21, then, you know, I think it kind of drives the narrative to just stay put and and just collect the assets. um, You know, I don't probably foresee a huge jump up um, just throwing a haymaker and trying to get in the top 10. I I mean, unless something unforeseen unforeseen happens, I I would say that, you know, We'll be flexible, and, and we'll let the board talk to us. And if there's value, we will. And if not, we'll just stay put. So there you go. He said, hey, you know, if 19, 20, 20, 21, if there's somebody there, we'll go up and get him. That's what he did at, at 21. He was on with Fesco in the morning this morning and talked about what was going through his mind when he made that trade-up for Trent McDuffie. A lot of legwork. So we spent a great amount of time going through scenarios. And one of the things that we said, and I think I've, I hinted at this in my pre-draft presser, that um, – we would look to be selectively aggressive and we have a lot of picks, but we have a lot of holes we want to fill and a lot of depth we want to create. Um, I, the whole time never anticipated, um, you know, making a huge move into the top 10 and what we talked about uh, given the positional stacks and where we thought value was, we, we, we kind of liked the DN stack. We thought it was good and we thought that there was numbers and it was um, it was deep. So having two picks, you felt like the numbers worked in your favor. The corners were a little bit different. Um, you know, certainly everyone had the top two guys. And then after that, um, Trent was right there. And then there was, you know, just a handful of other guys. And then we thought it was a little bit of a bigger gap, unlike the DNs. So what we actually talked about was we'll probably be inactive the first 15 picks. Once we get to the late teens, early 20s, we should start calling to see if we can explore trade up for a corner. Um, and I think a couple things kind of factored you know obviously you'll have a few teams maybe going in a different direction than what you anticipate when you're doing these mocks and then I think the Eagles um, ended up trading for the receiver so that was a player that was unaccounted for so but by the time you know you get to pick 12 13 14 we're starting to call um, New Orleans at 19 Pittsburgh at 20 Pittsburgh was really quiet but it makes sense because there was 
a thought that they may go quarterback. And if that's the case, they're really not going to be looking to deal. But talk to New England at 21 and um, Green Bay at 22, Arizona at 23. So we had dialogue with all these teams and we exchanged ideas. Um, when New England called back at 19, you know, we, we probably would have had a position. Um, we would have been in a position to do something there. However, that would have involved pick 62. Um, still like the numbers in our advantage. So we, you know, decided to just hold there at 62 and then do something. Um, with New England that didn't involve 62. By the time we kind of agreed to do that, um, you know, Trent McDuffie was still on board. And, um, you know, that was um, kind of one of those scenarios where I talked about earlier with the flashing green light. So it worked out in our favor. I, I think we we're in a position to do something for a corner. Um, once we got into the late teens, 18, 19, 20, um, we had dialogue. We were able to make um, a connection there at New England. And we we're probably coming up from a corner and just so happened that Trent was still on the board. So it just, it worked out for us. So there you go. Brett Veach What the thought press was, was for uh, jumping up and grabbing him. Well, during the uh, draft shows, they had Thor Nystrom uh, from NBC sports edge and talking about the draft. He's great at the draft. And I want to get kind of a national perspective on what others think of the chiefs draft. We'll talk to Thor next. This is bank at night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas city chiefs, 610 sports radio. Welcome back to big at night. Jim Inkley, Julio Sanchez producing the operation time to talk more NFL draft with the guy that uh, was all over the draft this year. His name is Thor Nystrom at NBC sports edge Thor. Good evening. Good evening. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me on. Hey, Thor, man. I tell you what, you had good content the whole draft. Uh, man, it went fast, man. We were on the air quite a bit uh, during that weekend, almost the whole weekend. And I'm going to tell you this. It was fun, surprising, had it everything. We had guys falling. We had quarterbacks not going till late. We had about everything in this draft we needed. Thousand percent. Yeah. Like when I put out my last mock draft, like I, I put like a little note with it. Like, please don't, you know, assume that I have any, you know, like beyond vested interest in, in these picks. Like I can't put anything beyond that. They're going to happen, but I can guarantee you guys this, this is going to be the wildest first round that we've seen in years and years and years. That's what it was. We, we saw the acti- unprecedented activity leading up to the draft. There was an unprecedented amount of teams holding multiple first round picks, unprecedented amount of teams holding no first round picks. Then we saw an unprecedented amount of movement in the first round. The most trades that we had seen going back the entire time since we they broken the, the draft up till three you know three days going back to 2010. So yeah, I mean it, it was wild. You also had the, the really quick pick. Quicker than than have been in years past. Like teams have clearly gotten a memo of like we got to pick quicker. So you saw all these different trades, and then the the picks were going really quick. Like my head was spinning for sure. I never saw a pick quicker than the Detroit Lions and Aiden Hutchison. That card must have been turned in within three seconds. I think they were ready to go with that one. You know, like a couple of days before that, we, we had a pretty good idea. It was going to be Trayvon Walker. I have a conviction that, that Jacksonville made a mistake there. I, I think probably Detroit has a conviction that, that, that go, you know, leaning that way as well. I, I think they had written that card out in advance, and I think they were ready to sprint their 4-3 up to Roger Goodell to give it to him. Thor, there were some uh, guys that fell in this draft in the hands. Of, we'll talk about the Chiefs here in just a second, but when you think about Jermaine Johnson – and, you know, whether you want to think he fell or not, I think maybe we over-evaluated him, uh, to be quite honest. Because one thing we don't have when you're doing these mock drafts, we don't have medicals. We don't have the interviews with said players. There's a lot of things 
We don't have. Uh, Ryman, the lineman that falls in the third round, looked like he was going to be a first-round pick. And then, of course, the fall of the quarterbacks. What do you think was the biggest fall in this draft? Well, I mean, if we're going to go with the Chiefs, this guy may be the biggest faller in terms of the biggest value, in my opinion, Darian Kennard. Uh, you know, okay. he reminded me a lot of, of, of Creed Humphrey at the end of the second round, and then Trey Smith also falling way back to where, wherever they finally picked him. Enormous values, guys that, that fell for reasons that I think went a little bit beyond reality. You know, I, I still can't explain why Creed Humphrey fell to the end of the second round. I know why Trey Smith fell a little bit. It was because of the, the NFL's risk aversion as far as like his, his medicals went. Darian Kennard, I'm not really sure why he falls down that far. He, he was sort of a... You know, I suppose some teams on, on their board could have listed him as a tweener between tackle and, and offensive guard, but the, the risk had been far from mitigated for me by the time he finally went. Uh, this was a kid who absolutely dominated in the SEC the last couple of years, one of the best blocking guys that we, you know, I mean, in, in terms of both run blocking and pass blocking, this time on the perimeter at, at Kentucky last season, but he put up some of the best blocking numbers you could see on tape. Everything backs it up. The fact that the Chiefs could get him in the fifth round, especially potentially at a position in need because while I do think he, he is slotted for inside at the next level in terms of his best fit, I do also think that he can push Lucas Niang at right tackle in, in year one. I know that was something the Chiefs were potentially looking for. I think he was a perfect guy to bring in that could potentially do that at an enormous sticker price discount. Well, yeah, and he got the Jacobs Award as the best blocker in the SEC, an award they've been giving away since 1935. One sack and 350 uh, dropbacks by Kentucky, 30 pancakes as well. But even when you look at Trent McDuffie, and I know he was a guy the Chiefs really didn't have on their radar. And what's funny is a lot of times these GMs give smoke screens, you know, when they do the pre-draft uh, press conference. Like Brett Veach in Kansas City really didn't do that. I mean, last year he was talking about that second and third round being the hot zone. It's where he got Creed Humphrey. He got Nick Bolton because the Ravens sent back picked 58 with Orlando Brown and they got Nick Bolton because of that in the second round. But this year he said, if we're sitting there and we've rated 16 to 18 guys as first round picks, he said, if we get to 19, 20 or 21, and one of those guys is still on there, we'll consider trading up. Well, he did at 21 with Troy McDuffie, whose Vegas over under was 16 and a half. Then George Karloftis in the first round, his over under in Vegas was 23. I had seen him mocked anywhere from 12 to 40, but they get Trent McDuffie and George Karloftis in the first round. Those both seem like tremendous values. I love the way that you set that up. Yeah, I mean, both those guys, they had these specific questions as far as like being, you know, top 15 or top 20 guys or whatever on their evaluations. With McDuffie, it all had to do with the measuring stick. That's it. Like, you know, like I'm coming to you guys live from Minneapolis right now. There was a lot of people that had mocked Derek Stingley to number 12. And to be honest with you, I preferred Trent McDuffie over Derek Stingley as an really? NFL player. Because the only thing that you can point to where, where, where Derek Stingley is a better player or prospect than, than Trent McDuffie, it's on a measuring tape. Everything else that, you know, that, that is quantifiable, you give it to Trent McDuffie. He shut down the best receivers the Pac-12 the Pac had to offer these last three years as a matter of course as their number one uh, outside cornerback. I love that kid. It was just the only question with him, it had to do with arm length. He fell beneath the threshold in a similar way that, uh, that Linderbaum did, Tyler Linderbaum did. And he fell a little bit lower because of that as well. It was the sub-30-inch you know, arm length for him. 
outside of that, as far as what a cornerback can bring, he has all the requisite, you know, athleticism. He has all the requisite, uh, uh, you know, he, he's he put up the work, you know, over the last three years, shutting down the Pac-12 uh, receivers. And then as far as Carl Loftus, he's a better athlete than, than people perceive. I wish that he had sort of led with that foot when he was in the pre-draft process. Um, you know, he, he did not run it in Indianapolis, didn't do that stuff at the Combine. But he was a guy that was a multi-time Bruce Feldman freak lister. He's a better athlete than I think people think. He had been sort of put in the A.J. Epinesa sort of bucket as a guy that could fall into the second round. But he was more athletic than Epinesa. He's more versatile than Epinesa, better athlete than Epinesa. So, I like, I, I love the value they got him in. I, I, I had Carlotta's 23 on my board. I had Trent McDuffie 10 on my board. So they, they got steals both there, and then the Chiefs just kept getting steal pick after pick after that. Well, you had a a comp for uh, George Karloftis being Ryan Kerrigan, which if the Chiefs drafted Ryan Kerrigan, that would be outstanding. I've always comped kind of Max Crosby with him just because of that, that motor. And I had his uh, coach, Tim Lester, on, and I said that. I said, hey, would you comp him to a guy like Max Crosby? And they'd seen Max Crosby at Eastern Michigan uh, play Purdue. And the GM for the Chiefs was on the, our station today, and he wouldn't really give a Karloftis comparison, uh, but he did with Sky Moore. Said maybe a little Stephon Diggs in him. S- Sky Moore at 54. I like Sky Moore. I had he mocked to the Chiefs actually in round one, Thor. Um, I, f- I feel he's got round one value, and I think we might sit here and look at receivers four, five, and six better than one, two, and three at the end of the year. Could absolutely be the case. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I ended up with him a wide receiver eight, but I had him 48th overall on my board. They had him 54th. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I comped him to Doug Baldwin, a, a smaller guy that I believe could play on the outside at the next level. I'm not for the Chiefs. You know, maybe you, you stick him a slot next year. We'll, we'll end up seeing. You know, obviously they, they signed a guy that is a bigger receiver, but has played more slot in the you know during his career, so they could play him there they're going to be able to sort of mix and match. The thing I love about Sky Moore is he played at Western Michigan, of course, the Mac, but he played on the outside predominantly, but not predominantly a slot receiver, predominantly an outside receiver. He he was drawing the number one cornerback on the, the opposing team every single week. He cooked every single one of them as a matter of course. Just cooked every single one of them. It didn't matter. You cannot stop that guy from getting off the line. You can't get your hands on him. He has such a diversified uh, release set. He has, he has such good footwork. He's getting off the line one way or the other, and then he's creating separation. In the slot, no question about it. He's going to be able to do that at the NFL. But I also think there's a chance that he could hang on the outside. If, if you prefer, you know, for instance, putting Juju in the slot or whatever, that she's going to have some of those options because they picked Sky Moore. The, the value that they got in him, you can't argue with that one way or the other. Right, like I mean, pe- people in mocks had him. You know, some had him late, late first round. He was going early second. A lot of the ones that didn't have him late first round, getting him at fifty four. You can't argue with that one way or the other. And Thor also uh, Leo Chanel. You had him as linebacker uh, number four. Of course, he played up at Wisconsin. I'm sure you're familiar with his work, but you know, ridiculous numbers that he put up, uh, athletic, athletically, and get leading Wisconsin in sacks the last two two years as an inside linebacker. I mean, that's a commodity. Then the 34 pinch press reps, uh, he's an interesting guy to me because right now at this point, run stuffer does need to work on the coverage aspect of things. But I think that ability to blitz from the middle is just a key asset for a lot of teams. You hit on it. Yeah, I mean, you hit on both the utility and also the the potential weakness or the thing you either have to palm off the field for the thing that you have to guard against. He's a pitfall. 
He's a pit bull. You, you take him off the leash, you let him attack downhill, he is going to, to be very, very good for you, both against the run. Absolutely fabulous at that. Coming north-south, the explosion coming downhill. Very, very muscled-up kid. And then also in the pass rush, both those different things. You attack him downhill, he is going to find the ball. Period. End of story. The, the only limitations with his game, it's once he gets out in space having to trail people, you know, like in, in coverage specifically. That's the one thing where you have to decide, are we either going to hide him in, in his own coverage or are we going to hide him on, on, you know, on, on the lesser guy that's dangerous in man coverage or are we going to pull him off the field? But as far as, as, as the early downs or even on passing downs, just send that kid every single time. You know, like he, he's a guy who has a very specifically delineated uh, skill set. And, you know, you just, you decide on that, you delineate him that way, he is going to provide for you. Outside of that, I, the one thing I don't want Leo Chanel in is, again, think about him like a, a muscled-up pit bull. That's exactly what he is coming downhill, the explosion, everything like that, attacking, attacking, attacking. But, like, chasing smaller dogs downfield where they're just darting this way and that with this ball, to, you know, with his back to the ball, that's the one thing, I, you know, that, that, that I, I'm a little bit lower on him with. I, I would guard him from those opportunities, but everything else coming downhill, he's going to provide for you for sure. Thorn, last thing for you, of course, uh, well, I didn't see the run on punters like we had this year, I'll be honest with you. I didn't see that run on punters. But the other thing, too, with the quarterbacks all slipping towards the end, and I know next year, you know, it's looking like maybe four, five, even six quarterbacks could be taken in the first round. They've got to get something to get quarterbacks in the NFL. Like right now, this AFC is loaded. And they're young quarterbacks still. Mahomes and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson and Joe Burrow. You have younger quarterbacks. Now, the NFC, they're going away. Like Tom Brady couldn't end the AFC next year, retired. Who knows how long Aaron Rodgers is going to play. But it seems like there's a deficiency of quarterbacks in the NFC, and we always know the baton has passed from generation to generation, but man, does college football need to get quarterbacks in the NFL? For sure. You know, and a part of that is just the, the, the delineation of the schemes between college and, and the pros and stuff like that. Those things are becoming less homogenized as we go forward. But, I mean, your point is definitely well taken. Obviously, the Chiefs are fortunate enough that they don't need one for, for a couple of years now, in part because they took advantage of the NFL's reticence towards a specific kind of quarterback when Pat Mahomes was coming out, which is no longer a reticence. I think the teams that are on the cutting edge of that, you know, at that point it was the air raid. You guys remember like a decade ago, we were afraid of air raid quarterbacks. Yeah. Now we love air raid quarterbacks. You know, like going forward, I think that's going to become more about the mobility, the the, the dual threat guys, the, the guys that can steal seven, eight yards, 10 yards on just on their whim. They're going to become as valuable as guys that can, can complete commensurate passes in the intermediate area. But it, but I think there's going to continue to be an evolution towards a space and speed aspect of the game. And and you, you, your point is really well taken. It's just that Kansas City was on the very uh, sort of cutting razor edge of that thing. Thor Nystrom at NBC Sports Edge. Give him a follow on Twitter. He's an incredible football follower for especially college football, pro football, and uh, does a lot of things. And if you're a Jayhawk, he's a former Jayhawk as well. At Thor KU on Twitter. Thor, it's been a pleasure talking to you. These last couple of weeks, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Gentlemen, always a pleasure to join you in Rock Chalk forever. There you go, Thor Nystrom right there. I like Thor, man. I'm kind of sad that uh, draft season's over, Julio, because I enjoy talking to Thor. He knows his stuff. And he gave the Chiefs an A for their draft. He did. I doubted him, but. Oh, the value was there, man. It was. The value was there. I'll, uh, there's, I'll recap a few things that Thor said and talk about it next. 
This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Bank at Night. Jay Binkley, Julio Sanchez. Royals drilled today by those uh, St. Louis Cardinals. By, by the way, have you... Did you hear Bobby Wood Jr.? He's got a he's got a pretty deep he's got a voice for radio. Bobby Wood does, man. He had an eleven kid. game hitting streak uh, snap today. Guy yeah. starting to hit, man. That was Cody Tapp's fault. It was. It was sitting. It was him sitting behind home plate. It was Cody. I'm sure, Kobe wanted to see or Cody wanted to see a home run. You know, just didn't see it. No, well, he didn't even see a hit because he showed up to the game. So feel yeah. free to to tweet directly at Cody B Tapp. He's got to stay out of games if it's a streak again. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like Whit Merrifield. I always wanted to be careful. I talked to him like when he was going through the streaks. You know, don't want to jinx nothing. You don't want to be the one. No. You don't, don't want to be, be the, the one. Jinx. Don't want to be the jinx. No. At all. Thor had the Chiefs with an A. And that was the whole thing about this draft, Julio, was value. Like, you look at George Carl, pro football focus big board. George Karloftis was 10. Yeah. Trent McDuffie was 11. Of all the players, they were 10 and 11. And they were selected 30 and 21. It's a heck of a steal, man. And Sky Moore, you know, look at his value. He goes all the way back to 54. He was number 22 in the Pro Football Focus big board. Kennard was 79 on the big board. Brian Cook was 71. These are their top two, 250 players. To me, the Chiefs draft was about value. In getting players of value. And some teams did, like the Jets. I give them credit. I really like the first round. Yeah, I like Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson. I like the fact they got Jared John or Jermaine Johnson at 26. Now we'll see if he's good or not. But he was, you know, this was a guy climbing in the top 10 before the draft started. Well, I, I will give I will give the Jets that pick. As but when you have two top ten picks, I, I mean, you should probably have a good draft, right? I mean, uh, good for them for trading up at the end of the round and getting. I, I can't give them full credit though, when you have two top ten picks. Well, you have three right? first rounders and you can't suck forever. Yeah, it's like Jacksonville yeah. sitting there. Well, all right, you, you can. You had the number one pick can. in the draft last year. Now you, the draft is set up to make you good again, to give you those picks. By sucking, you get the top picks. And you can't suck forever. The problem is, you, you don't know about these quarterbacks. I, I like Trevor Lawrence a ton. But again, he yeah. didn't have a very good year. And I blame Urban Meyer for that. Yeah, 100%. We'll see what Dougie Fresh does, Doug Peterson, with Trevor Lawrence. I think that's a good fit. I, well, I feel I, like that's a good and, and I like Doug Peterson. I think he got maybe, I mean, look, Philly's a tough town to coach in, man. That's No, it is. 100%. He wins he the got, Super Bowl and they run him out of town. Short end of the stick on that. Well, they did the same thing to Andy Reid. I know, and they never had one <laughs> I mean, before. You know what I mean? Right? Like, what the hell do they want? Grass is always greener for them. But with, but with uh, but Zach Wilson in New York, I mean, if he didn't yeah, work out. I'm not a fan. But the bottom line is you're sitting there with the Zach Wilson, even if you're sitting there with Trevor Lawrence, you're like, okay, where are they at in the hierarchy of the AFC? They're behind Mahomes. They're behind Herbert. At the bottom. They're behind state. Joe Burrow. You're behind Deshaun Watson. You're behind Lamar Jackson. You're behind Josh Allen and Buffalo. Herbert. Yeah, I, I think I said Herbert number two, but uh, behind Mac Jones, even. I mean, you're way back there. I mean, you now it takes a year and you get up there, but you're not going to pass Herbert, Mahomes, and Joe Burrow, and Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen, those guys after one year. But I will say this about Trevor Lawrence Josh Allen didn't exactly have a very good first year either. 
And it was Brian Dayball coming there as an offensive coordinator that kind of turned him around. And now we'll see what life is like without him. Because Josh has had him during his resurgence. He's playing well. Now he's the head coach of the New York Giants. So we'll see how he goes. Yeah, we're going to find out. But I'm serious about the NFC, Julio. Because with all these quarterbacks going to the third round, so you got Kyler Murray in Arizona. And then you got with the attitude problem, you know, as far as if he's going to come or not. I'm not a fan, yeah. Tom Brady could possibly... I don't think he plays for Tampa Bay next year. It's either going to be retirement or that whole Dolphins scheme that they tried to work on. He can because <laughs> yeah. he's a free agent, do whatever he wants. To me, that happens. And then Aaron Rodgers, who knows? He could be the only good quarterback left in the NFC next year. You can throw Matt Stafford in there. Give well, yeah, 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 excuse me. Matt Stafford. I mean, he is a Super, Super Bowl, Bowl champion now. But still, there's a problem. But I, I wouldn't worry about it yet. Because usually you worried, you know, when Marino and Elway and Jim yeah. Kelly and these guys left and Peyton, then Peyton Manning and Tom Brady kind of took the torch and Big Ben. And now all of a sudden we have Mahomes and Joe Burrow and all that. So the talent of quarterback is going to be there for another 10 years. But next year there should be about five, six quarterbacks taken in the first round. It's a lot better first round for quarterbacks next year. But you got to be able to pass that baton on from here and there. Yep. Back to the uh, Kansas City Royals next, but not really about the Kansas City Royals. I think this proves one thing and one thing only. I'll discuss that next. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.